The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair podcast with me, your host, Lakeisha. Today, I have a very special guest joining me in session today, Miss Marlene Francois Madden, who is a licensed clinical social worker. You want to say hi to the TEC listeners? Hi, everyone. How are you? Yes. Thank you so much for joining me. And I'll tell you guys a little bit about Miss Marlene. She was named Huffington Post 10 Black Female Therapist. You should know she is the owner of Hearts Empowerment Counseling Center, a licensed clinical social worker, a phenomenal public speaker, and entrepreneur with over 13 years of clinical experience. Her organization, Far More Precious, has awarded $2,500 in scholarships to minority girls since 2013 and continues to educate young women ages 14 to 19 to dream beyond the barriers they face to reach their fullest potential. Marlene touches many lives through her work. She has had the opportunity to facilitate group and individual sessions to young women in Haiti. So she's like an international like star, y'all. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she does some great work. Um, and with this month being Teen um, Dating Violence Awareness Month, I thought it would be a great idea to have Marlene come on and talk about that because that is her niche, dealing with teens, right? Yes, absolutely. I love working with teens. Yes, awesome. And just to kind of give you guys a little backdrop about the Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month, it is a national effort to raise awareness about abuse in teens and 20-something relationships and promote programs to help prevent it. One in three teens in the U.S. will experience physical, sexual, or emotional abuse by someone they are in a relationship with before they become adults. And 43% of dating college women report experience experiencing violent and abusive dating behaviors. And so um, we're, we're just going to try and flush this out and see if we can help people um, with, with understanding this topic and supporting people if they know people that are in these situations. And so before we dive into um, the meat of things, Marlene, and I love saying Marlene Francois, like it's so fancy. Um, <laughs> Can you share with us, how did you get into therapy and what made you want to really focus in on dealing with teens? I would say ever since I was five years old, I knew I wanted to become a therapist. Actually, at five years old, I told my mom I was going to be a clinical psychologist. Ooh. How? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. And part of it, part of it was because um, my mother... My mother's boss was a clinical psychologist, and I really admired her. I admired her, and she was kind of like my grandma mm -hmm. that I that I always wanted. <laughs> and mind you, I have I have enough grandmothers, and I love all my grandmas. Uh -huh. But um, she was like that extra grandma I had. And so I, ever since I was younger, I was like, I want to be just like her. And I just remember, like at a young age, I would pick up magazines, and 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 a lot of magazines they would have like a, a health section. And mm -hmm. I would go into the health section and I would read the Q&As in there because it was always a psychologist or a therapist. So I would always read those topics in there. And I was always intrigued by, by psychology and the mm -hmm. mind and how the mind works and why do people do what they do. 
So I've always been intrigued with it at a young age and knew this is the path for me. No matter how much I tried to steer away, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to med school and be, uh-huh. become a psychiatrist. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go get my MBA to open up a business for teen girls. Oh. Or like, I was like, I'm going to become a lawyer to advocate for children that are being abused. So I was like, I was always going right back to working with children and adolescents. Okay. So I noticed that majority of my work that I've done has always been with adolescents. And I always loved the work. I just felt, I felt like the teens were really comfortable around me. Um, I gave them that safe space to kind of just be open and be who they are. And for some reason, working with teens really drives a passion within me. It just makes me come alive. So it's really my area that I love working with. Awesome. Awesome. Now, do you have any siblings or are you an only child or? Yes, I do have siblings. I'm the oldest and only girl and I have two brothers. My one brother, we're 15 months apart, so mm-hmm. we're kind of like twins. I tell everybody we're twins. <laughs> and then my younger brother, we are eight years apart, so okay. he's 25. Mm-hmm. I don't see, I never know his age. I think he's 24. See, shame. I think he's 23, actually, okay. <laughs> or 24. So he's something in it's the 20s. <laughs> yeah, I just know that, you know, he was way younger because by the time when he was in middle school, me and my brother were both heading off to college. So mm. me and my brother that are 15 months apart, we share a lot of the same friends. We kind of did a whole lot together because we were so close in age. Mm. Okay. And now what was it like for you growing up um, through your teen years? Because I'm just thinking of, you know, for people to love to work with teens, it that is mm-hmm. a challenging population. You know, I hear a lot of people be like, oh my gosh, but you know, like they don't want to do anything. <laughs> like, You know, they, they mm-hmm. just want to do them and not listen to what we have to say. They're hard headed. So like you hear all of these negatives, right? With working mm-hmm. with our teens, but I know it's so much more than that with them just having had the opportunity of working with some myself, but you know, just for you to kind of uh, stay within that passion of teens, you know, how do you not fall into that trap of just being like, yeah, y'all right. You know, they are hard headed. Like what is that driving force for you? So I'm trying to see like, what was it for you growing up as a teen? Like for you to really have that passion for wanting to serve teens? If that makes sense. Well, okay. So it sounds like a two-part question. So yeah. I'll answer the first part. Um, I'm sorry. Like for me I, I asked no, like okay. 50 questions it's, in one all the time. Okay. <laughs> it's completely okay. So for me, like growing up, my teenage years. Um, so growing up, I grew up in New Jersey and mm-hmm. I went to private school, school um, for most of my childhood, from preschool all the way up to eighth grade. I was in private school. Mm-hmm. And literally... Going into high school, private school, New Jersey was like $10,000 per child. And mm-hmm. my parents had three of us. So they're like, okay, we're not going to spend in like $20,000 plus for two kids right. and a third <laughs> one that's getting ready to go to kindergarten. So then we relocated to another state and then it was a brand new high school. So mm-hmm. we moved a day before high school started. And then that's when my first experience going to public school. Mm-hmm. So pretty much like my childhood years were pretty much sheltered. I mm-hmm. went to school, went to church had piano lessons and that was like pretty much my life and hanging out with my cousins. I had a really, I have a really big family on both sides of my family. So always hanging out with my family and some of my friends from church that I had. Mm -hmm. So like going, so it was like very, I had a very structured discipline. um, When I say discipline in a good way, um, because I went to a school, uh, the schools that I went to, there were schools where, you know, you had to wear uniform mm-hmm. and your uniform had to be presented a certain way. Mm-hmm. You couldn't chew gum in school. There was no <laughs> cursing. You had to raise your hand to go to the bathroom. You had to tuck your chair in. 
you had the community service. Like mm-hmm. it was very, it was very structured. And I really loved the schools that I went to and there were smaller settings. But then I realized going into high school, we moved there the day before high school. So I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to a lot of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really mad at my parents for, for probably like a month because I, I really wanted to go to a performance arts high school because I played classical piano since oh. I was five. So even though I know music wasn't something I was going to pursue my career, I wanted to go to that high school. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because it was down the street from like an all-boys Catholic school. And it was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, you okay. know, teenage years, you're thinking about boys and things like that. And, you know, I grew up in a very like, you know, religious household. So, uh-huh. you know, things were a little different. But I remember going into high school and I'm very social. I like to make friends. You know, I had no problem with that. But it was really it was a very much new experience for me to go into a high school where um that was a public school because I was so used to being in a private school so seeing that okay I get to wear regular clothes so then it's like all right what do I wear to school today and Mm -hmm. trying to figure all that out or like somebody goes to the bathroom come back they smell like cigarettes I'm like oh my gosh they're smoking (laughs) so or seeing people walk down the hallways holding hands and kissing I wasn't used to that I was Mm -hmm. like wow this is like this is what's going on here. But then, like, I think after a month, I finally, I was finally okay with it. Um, but, like, my high school, my teenage years was pretty, pretty, pretty good, mm-hmm. I, I would say. Um, I, I, it was easy for me to transition to the new school. Um, a lot of my friends that I had there, I had throughout high school, and some of them I still keep in touch um, now, like, even, like, 10, 15 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I mean, it was pretty good um, for me. I didn't, I wasn't a rebellious teen. Okay. I think my rebellious years were when I was like 13 <laughs> and talking back to uh-huh. my mom for like an entire year. After that, like it was pretty much mellow. I was, you know, I was the oldest, mm-hmm. I was the oldest child and, you know, I was the one that was very responsible and independent. So like my parents kind of was just like, okay, Marlene, we don't really have to worry about her. We know she's going to get her work done, you know, straight A student. Mm-hmm. We know she wants a job. She wants a car. Like she's going to do her. Like we don't have to worry about, we don't need mm. to worry about you. you okay. You're good. So it, it was always that way for me. I didn't get into trouble. I wasn't a troubled teen, I guess you could say. Um, I was, I was always the person in school that I realized that I was okay with making friends with everybody. So I was mm. friends with the, the, the popular kids, mm-hmm. the, the, um, the kids that were in athletics, you know, the kids that were in the, we had like a special needs program in our school, the kids that were a part of that, you know, um, what else? Some of the kids that people probably would think that are strange or odd because Mm -hmm. they're just different as Mm -hmm. people would say. I was friends with them. Like, you know, I had this one guy I was friends with and he was into like punk rock. He would dress in all black, had chains all over. Mm -hmm. I was friends with him. Like I would sit there and we had so much in common. So for me, I bypassed what people look like on the outside because Mm. so often as teens, they tend to like be very cliquish with people who are just like them. Mm -hmm. So like if you go, if you are part of the basketball team, you're probably hanging out with everybody who's just like that too. Or, you know, if you look a certain way, that's who you're hanging out with. You're into a certain music or, you know, Mm -hmm. so people tend to hang out with in certain circles. But for me, I had like a few group of friends that were like my core friends, mm-hmm. but I hung out with everybody in school. I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't have any fights in high school. I was pretty much friends with everyone. Um, I felt like if someone didn't like me, so be it. I didn't really pay attention right. to that, but I found that I was um, easy. It was easy for me to like talk to different people, like to see who they really were out, mm. um, on the inside. 
and mm. not what people were seeing on the outside. Yeah. You know, so if somebody was getting bullied, I would still talk to that person. Mm-hmm. I would still be friends with them. Like, hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? You know, mm-hmm. so I think for me, doing that at such a young age, it kind of just kept happening as I got older. And I just have a soft spot for teens. Um, yeah. I just feel like people... We, you know, there are a lot of services for, for children. There are mm-hmm. a lot of services out there for adults, but mm-hmm. teens, you always, like you said before, you always say like, oh, they're so difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just think what it is that sometimes adults put on this expectation for teens for them to know what to do, like to know right from wrong. Yeah. And um, if you think about the, the brain development of teenagers, the prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of your brain, like by your forehead and stuff like that. For all my non-sciencey people like me, <laughs> that part is a la- that part is like the last part to develop for teenagers, mm-hmm. and that's where like your decision-making processing happens. So you can just think about it for teenagers. If they are, you know, very impulsive and they're just doing whatever they want to do, mm-hmm. because that part of their brain is not fully developed, so exactly. that may be part of the reason why these teenagers, you know, their executive functioning skills aren't up to par. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So people don't, you know, sometimes they put this pressure on teenagers and even now, you know, with, with, with technology and social mm-hmm. media and, and we live in a very fast paced society. So things may be a little different for them now. And there's a lot more stressors and anxiety and depression um, that they face. But um, I feel like people just have to learn how to be patient with teens and just really understand their point of view and how they feel and really validate their feelings and affirm them because, they need it. You know, they hear mm-hmm. all day, like, um, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. And so sometimes the more and more you're beating someone down, it may make it a little bit harder for them to like, feel like they're worthy of anything. So I think, um, as you know, for parents, educators, therapists, adults mm-hmm. to really speak to that child's love language. So find yes, out what their love language is and speak to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for sharing that of just, why you are doing what you're doing and doing a great job at it might I add too so I thank you for for doing what you do um so to kind of start it off um since we are focusing about teen dating violence awareness month um Marlene can you share with us what are some signs um that a person's partner might be abusive. So again, we're looking from a teenage perspective. So Mm -hmm. how, how would they know that their partner might be abusive? And again, you know, the abuse is, is not just physical, but it's emotional as well and mental. So. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So for teens, I would say seeing if there's a sudden change in their behavior and how they are when they're around that person. So if that person is, is causing some increased fear in you, they're isolating you from your friends mm-hmm. They're um, And when you think of even like with emotion abuse, they're talking down yeah. They're you know, they're telling you, you need to lose weight, you need to do this. And mm-hmm. you're being bullied by this person. Um, if you notice, like, you know, your emotions are not being regulated like before and you're constantly being harassed and, or they're causing you to get involved in, um, like certain behaviors, like especially sexually. Mm-hmm. So um, there, I think there's, there's, it's, it's such an in-depth area to talk about, like when it comes to teens, um, mm-hmm. but there, you know, there's, when it comes to the signs, you know, there's so much. So even like with even social media, yes. maybe that person is telling you who they're monitoring your social media account, who you can and cannot follow. And 
you know, every second they're asking you questions about your phone and they want to know all your passwords or checking your text messages. You know, who are you hanging out with? Um, and granted, with, uh, you know, with teens, they're probably not living with their significant other that right. they're in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different from adults who are dealing with um, domestic violence. But with teens, um, sometimes I feel like I, I've seen it with some teens where it's happening in the school mm. and there's not much being done about it and their friends are not doing anything about it either. So some of the teens are just like, well, he loves me, so it's okay. Yes. Or um, he's very popular in school and everybody wants to date him and I have this opportunity to date him, so it's okay. I'm just going to deal with this. Or they have low self-esteem and then they're just like, well, maybe I do deserve this. I do deserve mm-hmm. for him to, to do this. Or they think they're playing around. So sometimes teens will, the whole horse playing around and fighting. But then if he's hitting a young lady, that's, that's, that's violence right there. And for them, sometimes they don't see it. They don't know how to put that into words. They're just like, oh, we're just playing around. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, to, um, to, to not bring, um, deviation between it because the abuse can happen to our, our young men as well. I think, you know, many are mm-hmm. just not sharing it. Right. Because, you know, mm-hmm. if they be like, yeah, my girl, you know, hitting me or whatever, you know, they guys might be like, what? Like you stronger than her. Like, why are you letting her beat you up? But to know that this can happen to our, our young men as well. And not just the young mm-hmm. women. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. It's hard for them to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so Marlene, in, in your practice, do you have, um, would you say, is there a balance when you're working with teens who may be in um, violent relationships that it's a balance of men and women, or is it more heavier with the young ladies or... Well, I work mainly with teen girls, I would say. And mm-hmm. and in the past, I did have um, I did have girls that I worked with that were in in situations of of, of violence um, within their relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I would say the population I'm working with, I am not seeing that um, okay. at the moment. But um, in the past, I would say like in the last like last. Two, and a half, two years ago, mm-hmm. I did see a lot of that where it, it was happening with the teen girls, but they were just like, oh, it's horse playing. It's okay. And their boyfriend would hit them mm-hmm. and he had multiple girlfriends and it was just like this, this lack of self-worth. And then mm-hmm. it had, it, it caused so much um, unhealthy behaviors with the girls where they were doing other things. They started running away to spend more time with him. Mm-hmm. They were engaging in, um, you know, unprotected sex Mm because they wanted to have a baby or, you know, drug use and Mm -hmm. alcohol. So they were like just doing all, you know, they had various behaviors that they were involved in. Um, Some of them had some, you know, some, some depression and anxiety that they were, you know, Mm -hmm. dealing with um, as a result of the, of it. Um, And if he would, if, you know, for some of them, like with with the guy would say like, Oh, well, I want to end this relationship if you don't give me what I want, then they would have this, like they would have like suicidal ideation that would mm-hmm. pop up. And it's just like, you know, I, I want to hurt myself. And then for him to come back into the relationship. So there was a lot of manipulation happening in a relationship mm-hmm. um, that I saw. And it's like, 
constantly you're teaching these girls about safety and boundaries mm, yeah. and they don't want to tell you their boyfriend's name or they won't mm. identify him as a boyfriend. They'll just say it's a friend mm. and not call him a boyfriend. Say, oh, it's a right. friend. Not a big deal. It's mm-hmm. okay. And, and it was constantly happening or even with, um, you know, girls who do like girls and boys who like boys. Mm-hmm. same thing happens with the dating violence and those relationships. And I think sometimes for some teens, they're just like minimizing it. It's like, okay, we just got into an argument. It's all good. Right. Um, yes, she hit me, but it's not that big of a deal because I hit her last time. Mm, yeah, yeah. Almost right. Balancing it out like, well, it, it was their turn this time because mm-hmm. I, I hit them last time or what have you. Yeah. Um, and now, Marlene, when you... When the individual begins to notice these signs of just um, maybe they're they're starting to see the manipulation um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the physical abuse has increased or or the verbal abuse is just becoming heavier and heavier. What are some action steps that that person can take? If they start noticing it, they really need to have they need to have a a talk with themselves to figure out, Mm. you know, am I ready to get out of this? Because so often some people stay in it because of the love that they feel like they have, the feeling that Mm -hmm. keeps you there and you're attached to the person, but they need to have that talk with themselves. Like I need to get out of this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very important for them to to have a safety plan. So having Mm -hmm. that safety plan, who do I call if I know I'm going to be an emergency? Um, This is what, and, and, this is what this person said to me that I'm not comfortable with, or, you know, they're harassing me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're making me do things I don't want to do, or, you know, he's threatening me. So then in that moment, they need to make sure that they have people around them, whether mm-hmm. it's friends and family or counselors or teachers mm-hmm. have people around you. So you can talk to about this um, because it doesn't make sense for them to have to sit there and suffer in silence. And I find that, happen with teens they just suffer in silence because people don't know what's happening and sometimes even for some parents they may say well you got yourself in this mess so you want mm. you on your own um and especially if you have someone who's dating someone who's older mm-hmm. that is is being abusive towards them um and you even have the whole thing with you know child sexual exploitation so mm-hmm. with sex trafficking that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. But even with that, you see a lot of the, um, the dating, the teen dating violence happening in that too. Mm. And, and I liked how you, you talked about them having a safety plan in place. Um, and, and again, mm-hmm. having that conversation with themselves about, am I really ready to get out of this? Um, and yeah. so in in the safety plan that they create and they put their safe people in there. Um, so say they have that one friend that that knows what's all what's going on. How how so w- what what are some things that maybe a friend can say or how can a friend be supportive of somebody in this situation? Because, you know, I think many of the times we, we see our homegirl or homeboy in this situation we like man you got to get out like get out of it mm-hmm. you know but it, but it's always different for the person that's in the situation you know because like mm-hmm. you said it speaks to you know their low self-esteem and their their just lack of self-worth like you know well, I deserve this well you know if I didn't say this or if I didn't do that this wouldn't be happening mm-hmm. um but what can yeah. a friend do how can a friend 
support that person and it not seem as if Mm -hmm. they are just being so judgmental and just really harsh about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think a a way a friend could be um, supportive through this is very, 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 let me give some practical ways. Um, Walking to and from school, right? Mm. Who are they walking to and from school to with? If they can Mm -hmm. walk to and from school with a group of friends, Mm -hmm. That will make them a little bit more safer than them walking to school alone Mm -hmm. and with the person that is the one that's targeting them, Mm. whether it's the abusive partner or the abusive partner has another friend who's like, you know, walking with walking with the person to bring them to the abusive person partner. Mm. So I think, you know, having the friends that you're walking to and from school um, is very, very, very helpful. I, I believe that the friends also too have to make sure that they're not being judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, you have to make the decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. So being not ju- judgmental, so that way, whenever anything happens, they can go and tell their friend, like, listen, yesterday this happened to me. Um, I really need to talk to you. So that way, they are, they're validating how they feel. Um, another thing that is important is that even walking in between classes, so having your friends walk, walk you to and from classes, your, mm-hmm. your free lunch period that you have, um, if you have to be off campus for something, so for them to be around each other, mm-hmm. and I think it's important for them to also, um, if they're if they're going to be leaving their house to go hang out with their friends, let their friends know like when they're leaving, maybe meet them up so they can leave together at the same time. So it's really about just coming up with some practical steps. So which part of it can be in that safety plan where you're you're putting down like, okay, who are the people you're going to go, who are your go-to people that you're going to talk to? And for your friends to know that too. So mm-hmm. that way, if something happens, your friends knows which guidance counselor you, mm-hmm. you reached out to, which one of your parents, you know, you have some mm-hmm. kids that live in, that have blended families. Mm-hmm. So they know who they need to go to, whether it's the coach or the teacher, the principal, um, certain friends that you have, like a list of friends. So at least they know who to go to mm-hmm. if they cannot help you alone. Um, so, you know, those are just a few things. Um, mm. I like those. That the that they can do. Yeah. And now what about the parents? I don't want to forget um about the parents either. Like what are some action steps that they can take finding out, you know, that this is happening to their child? You know, I think as parents we just want to go straight to the defense, but um mm-hmm. what 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 can parents do in this situation once they find out or they get wind of this may be going on? Yes, I say with parents, like, look out for unusual behavior. So Mm -hmm. if you notice some sudden change in your child's behavior, whether it's how they, you know, their appetite, um, their sleeping pattern, if they're getting home late, if um, you're seeing unusual marks or bruises on their Mm -hmm. body, um, if it's summertime and they're wearing, you know, two sweatshirts Mm -hmm. and sweatpants, and you're like, girl, it's like 100 degrees outside. What are (laughs) you doing? So... Looking out for those unusual behaviors, they're constantly in their room, and we know teens love to be in their room. They're on YouTube, <laughs> they're on Snapchat, they're FaceTiming mm-hmm. their friends. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they don't want to get out at all and, and talk to you, so looking out for certain behaviors, if, um, you know, looking out for, like, depression, any any stressors, and looking out for those things. But I think also, too, for parents, something else to look out for is, like, to know who your friends are talking to. So mm-hmm. you'll know who they're hanging out with. So if your friends are going, if they're going, if your child is going out for the weekend, they're going to go see a movie, knowing who they're going to the movies um, with. 
mm-hmm. knowing who their friends are. You know, when your when your child comes home from school, how was your day? And talking about their friends, so you know which friend is who. Like, okay, that's the friend I know that does this. All right, this one does this. Mm-hmm. So you know what's happening. So that way, um, when a relationship comes around, you can kind of like have an idea. And I think it's so important for parents to really um, build up their child's self-esteem. So um, to, to kind of like help reduce the child from from going out there and seeking a relationship where they're they're grooming you mm. into this process of like you falling in love with them mm-hmm. and next you know the relationship turns abusive. Mm-hmm. So um, it's definitely important for parents to really look out to see things that are unusual with their child, mm-hmm. um, and also too for the child's all the, the child's personal belongings. There's certain things that that I believe parents most likely have a hold of, like the their their key, like their birth certificate and things mm-hmm. like that. So all important documents, making sure like you have you have those somewhere. Um, that way, the child is not bringing it out in public somewhere where someone mm-hmm. can go and take their their documents. Um, if your child, you know, if as far as like a set of keys, having a set of keys somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So that way, if they ever, if the person takes the keys away from them, the parents know there's a set of keys. If they get locked out of the house, they know where to find it, like in the plant that's in the backyard or something, mm-hmm. under something. Um, I know some parents put tracking devices on their kids' cell phones. Mm-hmm. That I do know. I do know some <laughs> that do that. And they don't check it. They check it if, like, the child's coming home late. Oh. But um, that may be an option for some yeah. parents, like. Just don't get too crazy with it, but, like, you know, if it's mm-hmm. something that you need to do, like, you know, having access to your child's phone, like, having a family plan, um, so that way if something were to happen, you can call and they can try to track where your child is located. Mm-hmm. I like all of that. And now, Marlene, you have mentioned when you would see the teen violence um early on that you noticed a lot of it would take place at school and nothing would be happening. What are some mm-hmm. steps that the school can do to either prevent or decrease this from happening? I believe the school definitely needs to have, um, they have more education around teen dating violence mm-hmm. and, you know, having assemblies and having discussions, maybe even having posters in their office mm-hmm. about like hotline numbers, who they mm-hmm. can call, yeah. you know, who you can call 911 or like if you haven't like have any emergency numbers or numbers they can text to reach out to people if they feel like something is, they're not in a situation that they're comfortable with mm-hmm. having, having groups um, like teen groups in, in the school. So that way, if something was happening for, for a young girl or young, young boy, they can always contact the school and, and be a part of this, this group or just being able to allow them to have that safe space. Let them know, okay, you can reach out to us. It's confidential. We'll be here for you. Let us know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I think teens, if they have that, that safe space where they know, okay, I know I can go and call this. I know I can go into her office and we could talk about this and it will be helpful. Um, having teens realize what happens next. So sometimes teens aren't reporting things because they don't know what's going to happen next. It's like, mm-hmm. will I get in trouble Will I get in trouble for this? Yeah. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So having them know, like, okay, what what's going to happen next? You know, legally, what can the school do? What can they not do? What do we have? In, what do we have put in place? If something happens, who do we contact? Do we contact your parents right away? Um, if we if you're reporting this, so being able to let them know, like, what happens next, really mm-hmm. helps them to kind of figure out, okay, how am I going to make this decision? 
So giving them a clearer picture for them to better understand. Okay. Like, it's not my fault. Although I might have sexted him or sexted her, you know, because I think Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, like you said, teens are under the impression that I'm going to get in trouble because, you know, they, they might have played into some of the manipulation, but them not really understanding um, it being that. Awesome. I like that. I like that. Um, How do you think the Me Too movement has impacted teen violence? Or do you think there will be some kind of impact with the Me Too movement going on? I believe there will be an impact because the Me Too Too movement, um, you hear, when you hear a lot about it, you Mm -hmm. also hear everything regarding sexual assault and harassment. Mm -hmm. Um, that's usually the topic that's happening and you know with teen dating violence you're not just you know when people hear violence they all they're always thinking about like you know physical aggressive behavior Mm -hmm. verbal aggression but there's also the sexual aspect component that's to it too so I believe that this is really going to help teens to really have the opportunity to talk and openly disclose what's happening Mm -hmm. because we know there there are so many um, people that that deal with sexual assault and it goes unreported mm-hmm. or when it is reported, the person is not put in jail. Mm, um, yeah. And and part of it could be also, too, because it's traumatic for someone to have to go and testify in court. Um, it's it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. It takes a lot on them. And, you know, you're being questioned by people who aren't therapists mm-hmm. in a way that maybe um, that may feels like they're not believing you. Like you may have an attorney who's just like. When did this happen? What time? Mm-hmm. Did you say it was seven fifty two? Now you're telling me it's ten AM. You know, so then mm-hmm. you know, for if you're going through that and you have to testify in a public place or the person's right there in the same room with you, it's really hard. So, mm-hmm. um, I believe that this this you know, it's it's a really it's a really great movement that that's happening. Um, it's really great to see people come out and come forth and talk about like their journey and what they have been through. Um, and I and I'm hoping that schools are implementing are thinking of strategies and ways to implement um, programs that mm-hmm. that give teens this safe space to kind of talk about their abuse and things that are happening mm-hmm. to them. I like that. And I um, my question to you, Marlene, is how young do you think is too young to begin having that conversation? Just about it's never too young. Okay, never okay. too young. Okay. I truly, I think that parents um, also, well, I can't speak, I'm not a parent yet. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell parents what to do, but <laughs> it's so important to teach your child the right terminologies. Yes. So your I child agree. understanding, mm-hmm. I'm a boy, I have a penis, mm-hmm. she's a girl, she has a vagina, mm-hmm. and those are called breasts. Like mm-hmm. having them know the right language. Mm-hmm. So that way, if something is happening, exactly. they can verbalize what it is. And that let, letting your child know that they own their bodies and no mm-hmm. one has the right to touch them in certain places that this is your private, you know, this private part here is called this. Mm-hmm. And this is why this person cannot touch it. Right. And if someone does something, you can always come to me. You will not get in trouble for it because what happens is kids, feel like they will get in trouble if they mm-hmm. disclose what will happen. They will, mm-hmm. they feel like they're going to be, you know, removed out of their home or something is going to happen to the family. And they're, they're, there's this, there's a shame and guilt attached to it. So yes. I think it's so important to really like have these discussions with your kids at a very young age. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, there are books out there. Um, there's one called something, a thing that happened to me. 
something happened to me. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it's something happened. I think yes, something yes. happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it various stories and is very appropriate for little kids. So I think it's so important to have these books for your child knows what's happening and know where to go because we teach our kids about strangers like we tell them if a stranger comes up to you you scream and you run or you say no we Mm -hmm. tell them to not get in the car with people they don't know but what about the people that they do know because we do know that majority of the time when assault happens it's usually someone that has access to that child Mm -hmm. whether it's a family friend neighbor babysitter leader whoever it is so like what do we teach our kids about kids, about people that they do know. We teach mm-hmm. them about strangers, but what about the people that they do know? We have exactly. to teach them those things too. So that way the child knows that you, you, you're supposed to feel safe, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, this person does not have access to your body. They shouldn't have access to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, can you let the listeners know where they can find you at? And you also have an event going on that you are in connection with um, Janae as well for teens. Yes. So please share that Absolutely. as well. <laughs> yeah, so you can find me. There's several ways you can find me. You can find me on my website, which is MarleneFrancois.com. And that's like pretty much my hub where you can learn a little bit more about what I do and myself. And my therapy practice is heartsempowerment.com, and it's a safe space for women and girls. I also have a nonprofit for teen girls called farmerprecious.org, and I'm also um, getting ready to start a teen brunch tour with Janae. She's also another licensed therapist that works with teenagers out in Philadelphia, so we're doing a teen tour that's going to be in New Jersey, New York, D.C., Baltimore and Philly and we're pretty much creating this safe space for teen girls to showcase and highlight positive teen belonging so our goal is to target 200 teen girls in five cities and have this brunch experience with them where they have this safe space so they can talk so they can talk about you know teen dating violence they can talk about cyberbullying. they can talk mm-hmm. about you know social media depression you know there's a lot of things happening in the media where cyberbullying is is, is ending is resulting to, to suicide. So having these discussions with these girls, so, you know, they have this space so they can be like, you know what, sis, I got you. I got your back. And for them to know that, okay, they can do this too, because we hear brunch for like millennials, you know, mm-hmm. women love to brunch, you know, <laughs> making boss moves yeah. and all this stuff. Uh-huh. What about our teen girls? Mm, you know, yeah. teen girls, they go to these events at schools and mm-hmm. conferences and things like that. But what about them having, being able to sit down, chop it up, and not have to sit there for like a science program all day. Like mm-hmm. let's, let's give them the space where they can sit there and cry and laugh Aww. and, and just be challenged and, and really think about, okay, what can I do? What can I do this day for to, to change my life? So to learn more about it, it's on brunchandbond.com. We are looking for sponsors. So that way we can provide more opportunity for teen girls who can't, um, who maybe their parents can't pay for them to go to the brunch, mm-hmm. but we would love to have more sponsors involved so that way we can offer free tickets for them. Oh, that is so awesome. So awesome. Well, I'm excited um, for the teen brunch tour, even though I'm not a teen, but just to kind of see the, um, <laughs> the impact that it will have. And for you guys yeah. creating this safe space for our teen girls. 
you know, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure people are probably like, what about the boys? Well, you know, maybe the Lord put it on somebody's heart to do a teen boy something. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, but no, I there's so it. many of us out here for everyone to pick up, everybody to pick up a load and do something. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I thank you so much for joining me in session today, Miss Marlene. And you Thank have you to come back. Me. You have to come back. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll be right back after this. For you, the listeners of the Evolving Chair podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend SOAR by Bishop T.D. Jake. If you're feeling stuck with getting your business off the ground or taking it to the next level, then this is the book for you. It will surely have you soaring high like an eagle. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D for your free audiobook today. All right, and we are back. Thank you to my very special guest, Marlene Francois Madden, for helping shedding this light on teen violence prevention. And so I hope you guys may share this with your teen or have those conversations with them. And actually, that that is what the TEC Pop Therapy segment for today will be, just highlighting Teen Prevention Awareness Month and just how has the Me Too movement might have impacted the teen violence um, increase or decrease. I, Me personally, I feel like this Me Too movement that has come about has definitely impacted teen violence Um, to decrease because I feel like we have more individuals male and females coming out about things that have happened to them which is allowing teens to know wow like it's not just me like it's adults that this is happening to as well so to kind of support them in being able to not be afraid to share what's really going on and so my wellness tip though for today is to have the conversations with your kids. You heard Marlene say that she doesn't think having the conversation is ever too young for your kids. So we don't have to wait for them to be teenagers to have the conversation just about relationships and healthy relationships and what that looks like as well. And for us, even as adults, to be cognizant of how we're modeling those healthy relationships because our kids many of the times model what we do. And so we want to make sure that we're modeling what it means to to be loved and to know that you're loved and what love looks like and what love feels like. So again, modeling those healthy relationships with them. I'm just really excited for season two and what it's bringing with these dope guests I have. Like I said, last season I had dope guests and this season I'm continuing to have dope guests with dope conversations. And remember that if you guys are interested in being a sponsor or you have questions for me, Lakeisha, or any of my future guests, please send them to podcast at theevolvingchair.com. Or if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast and you have a story to share, or your level of expertise, please don't hesitate to send me an email. So until next time, peace. 
Hey, TC listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. It can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And don't forget to connect with me on social media, on Instagram at The Evolving Chair, Facebook, The Evolving Chair, Twitter at The Evolving Chair without the R, and my new email address, podcast at theevolvingchair.com. So send in your questions if you are interested in being a guest or want to be on the chair with Lakeisha.